Good morning, Redeemer Church of Dubai. What a privilege it is for us to meet in this manner and to study God's word together. We've been going through the book of Acts and we have seen how the church began in Acts chapter 2 when the Father fulfilled his promise by sending the Spirit. We saw how the disciples obeyed God beginning Acts chapter 2 when they were filled by the Spirit. They started proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We saw how Jesus built his church in the city of Jerusalem. We also saw how Jesus continued to build his church beyond the cities, the city of Jerusalem. We saw how Jesus pursues outsiders, how Jesus pursues outcasts, and how Jesus pursues his enemies. We saw the heart of Jesus filled with grace as he pursues these people. And today, we're going to see how God continued to build his church beyond the city of Jerusalem again. Our focus is on the city of Antioch. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 30. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 30. Luke begins this section by introducing to us the expansion of the church. So look with me to verses 19 to 21, the expansion of the church. And in these three verses, we see three things the movement of the people, the salvation of different people groups, and the hand of God at work. Where did people move to? Verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia in Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. Phoenicia was on the seacoast area of Syria with Tyre and Sidon as its main cities. Cyprus was an island to the west of Syria. Antioch was another city in Syria. And this passage is about God's specific work in the city of Antioch. We are told that people scattered to Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch and shared the gospel only to the Jews. Luke now records for us another movement. In verse 20, but there were some of them, he writes, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which was in the North African region and today is Libya. Men of Cyprus and Cyrene who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. So these men who came from Cyprus and Cyrene began sharing the gospel to the Hellenists. The Hellenists here are the Gentiles. How do we know? Notice the parallel between verses 18 and 21. It says in verse 18, then to the Gentiles also God granted repentance. Verse 21, it says they spoke to the Hellenists also. Clearly Luke meant Gentiles. But there is another reason why I think it referred to the Gentiles, and that has to do with the nature of the city. Now Antioch had a population of about 500,000 people. People in this city came from Phoenicia, Persia, Italy, Greece, Egypt, India, and even China, earning it the name the Queen of the East. Because this city offered equal citizenship to all who came and settled there. Now Antioch was also a very religious city with lots of temples. One scholar says that this, this city was full of gods. It was known for its moral Looseness that came from various cultic practices. Sin flourished in the city. 
People came here because this city offered business opportunities and prosperity. You're looking at a city where Greeks and Jews and Asians and Arabs and Romans formed the mixed crowd of the third largest city in the Roman Empire. The city was prosperous, it was religious, and was multi-ethnic. It was natural, therefore, for the Jewish Christians to reach out only to their own people group. But Luke tells us that Jewish Christians came from Cyprus and Cyrene and shared the gospel to the Hellenists also. People were moving to the city. People from all sorts of backgrounds were listening to the gospel and they were turning to Jesus. So it wasn't just a movement of people. It was a gospel movement. The gospel was now received by those who were not Jews. People from different backgrounds were being saved. But who is at work in the background? And Luke tells us in verse 22, 21, sorry, Luke writes, in the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. God was at work. You see, God is weaving the story here. He isn't just moving people to the city. He's gathering people to himself so that through gospel proclamation to people from different backgrounds, whether it's racial, ethnic, cultural, and religious backgrounds, people would turn to Jesus. And this is stunning, friends, here. Look, look at verse 21. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The reason many people turned to the Lord in faith was because the hand of the Lord was at work. People were moving places, preaching sermons, people were listening to the gospel, and people were turning to Jesus. This was a multi-ethnic church in, and sorry, there was a multi-ethnic church in Antioch because God was at work. In this city, a church began with gospel planting. As the church grows, this church began to grow and many people turned. This church needs encouragement. And so what Luke writes for us in verses 22 to 26 is the encouragement that came for the church. 22 to 26. Since the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Now, the Jerusalem church heard of this news and they sent Barnabas. This is not because the Jerusalem church felt like they had authority over other churches. The New Testament clearly teaches that each church, is, each church has independent authority. But this was their way of confirming the work of the Lord. You see, the church was expanding beyond what they had thought or dreamt about. Samaritans, Cornelius' house, his family, and our people in Antioch. This was their way of assuring themselves that God was granting the Gentiles repentance that led to life. And what did Barnabas observe in this church? It says he saw the grace of God. He saw the power of God's grace. Now, how do you see God's grace? When you see people 
from different racial, ethnic, cultural, and religious backgrounds coming together in unison to worship one God with joy, you see grace. And that is what Barnabas saw. He noticed a Persian and a Jew and an Indian and an Egyptian and a Roman celebrating Jesus together. That's the power of grace, friends. Grace unites. Sin divides. The feeling of superiority over another because a person looks different, has a different skin color, has different educational backgrounds, is not of the same tribe, has a different job or even economic status. That feeling of superiority, friends, is rooted in, is, is rooted in sin and it is in us and it divides. Sin is powerful. But grace is even more powerful. And that is what Barnabas saw. You see, it takes a man of faith to see the work of God. And when he saw grace, he rejoiced. He knew this work was of God. And he encouraged them all. Verse 23. And there are two things here in verse 23 and how he encouraged them. He encouraged them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Be faithful to the Lord and to purpose that in your heart. Like he would have told them to hold fast to Jesus without wavering because Jesus is faithful. Consider, he would have told them how to stir up one another to love and good works. Pursue one another for mutual upbuilding. He would have told them, resolve in your hearts that you will encourage each other to look to Jesus. You will be tempted in the city with tons of distractions. There will be disappointments and there will be difficulties. And people will oppose you. Fight for faithfulness to the Lord together. And thus... He encouraged them all. And as the church was being encouraged, they were also moving toward those outside the church. So if you look at the second part of verse 22, it's obvious that the church was evangelizing. It says many people were added to the Lord. That expression, were added, implies that someone was adding them. Well, who was adding them? Acts 2, 42 tells us that it was the Lord who was adding. The people were added to the Lord by the Lord. In other words, Luke was, is telling us that through the work of these disciples here in the city of Antioch, God was saving people to himself. Now Luke presents Barnabas as a mature man. He says he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. He was good in that he sought the good of others by encouraging them to be faithful to Jesus. What does a man full of the Holy Spirit do? Well, look at what Barnabas does. He encouraged them to be faithful to Jesus. He pointed people to Jesus. And then when ministry was flourishing, he didn't want to make a name for himself. He invited Saul to Antioch. He went up to Tarsus, looked for him, found him, and brought him to this church. And together they served the church for her good. You see, he wasn't, he wasn't competing with anyone. 
but encouraging everyone, even Saul. And as the church was being encouraged, and as the church was evangelizing, they began to have a testimony in the city. And that's what you see next in verse 26, the second part of verse 26. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. You see, as the church grew, Luke tells us that people began to call these disciples Christians. In Antioch, in a year's time, they were called Christians. The testimony to Jesus as the Christ or King is so strong that the people called them Christians, meaning followers of Christ. Well, friends, I want you to imagine this with me. What would the people have seen? They would have seen changed lives. They would have seen how an idol worshiper was no more found in the temple. They would have seen people from different backgrounds coming together, singing songs about Jesus Christ. They would have found an Egyptian and a Chinese having coffee together and discussing Christ. They would have observed a unique kind of, of oneness, the rich, the poor, the Greek, the Persian, the slave, the free, all in joyful fellowship. Not only would they have seen, they would have also heard. You see, the church members have been evangelizing, telling others that Jesus is the king. Not Artemis, not Apollos, not Zeus, not Adonis, but Jesus. He is the king. This king came. This king died. This king rose from the dead. And this king rules now in our hearts. Can't you see the transformation? This is all the fruit of King Jesus' work. Everything that they did was centered on King Jesus. And the public saw it. The public heard it. And they called these people Christians. Friends, you might have been watching our Friday morning videos every Friday. Or you're perhaps tuning into our video for the first time. And you've never heard about Jesus. Or maybe you have heard about Jesus. I want to tell you who Jesus is. Yes, Jesus is king. He's God. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He's before all things and in him, all things hold together. That's King Jesus. But what about us? The Bible says we are sinners. We are proud people. We think the universe is about us. And so we hate and we lie and disobey and deceive and hurt others. Evil is, is in us. Even though we are quick to see evil outside of us, we are discontent, self-loving and self-absorbed people passing our days as slaves to various passions and pleasures. God is not our heart's delight, sin is. Our hearts therefore are against God. But this God who is holy is also rich in mercy and he sent his son Jesus to save us from our sin, from slavery to sin. The cross is there to tell us how God dealt with our sin. He punished his son Jesus for us. The empty tomb is there to tell us that Jesus is king. He defeated sin and death and he is Lord. You can be saved, friends, from your sin if you will turn to King Jesus now in faith. 
This was the gospel that transformed the lives of these people in the city of Antioch. This was the gospel that they believed in and the gospel that they preached. And so they were called Christians. And here in this section, Luke points us to a transformation King Jesus brought about in their lives. And it is in how they related to those who are ethnically different from us. It is evident, sorry, in how they related to those who are ethnically different from them. And that's what we see in verses 27 to 30. The church loved without discrimination. Now Luke wrote about a prophet named Agabus who had come to Antioch from Jerusalem along with other prophets. Now this prophet spoke by the Spirit, saying that there was going to be a great famine all over the world. This meant it would be difficult, it would be a difficult time for people. People would struggle to find food. And Luke's concern here, though, is not so much the fulfillment of the prophecy, but the response of the church. This was predominantly a Gentile church. And as they heard of an upcoming situation, instead of storing things for themselves, they decided to give their belongings to their brothers for their good. Verse 29. So the disciples in Antioch determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. Brothers. Brothers. That's a family word. This was an action flowing from genuine love for a church that was predominantly Jewish. See, they heard of the upcoming need and they were determined to help. And this act of sending relief to people who are ethnically different shows the kind of community that the gospel creates, a reconciled community. A gospel-created community is a reconciled community, accepting each other as God has accepted them in Christ, treating each other as brothers and sisters, members of one family. The church loved without discrimination. Okay, so we have a multi-ethnic church, a gospel preaching church here in the city of Antioch. Do you remember Acts 1 and verse 8? where Jesus commanded the disciples to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Well, how will the gospel advance from Antioch? Is Antioch the ends of the earth? Did Jesus just talk big and leave it to the disciples to plan and accomplish these things? So how will the gospel reach the nations? How will the ends of the earth hear the gospel? We see that in Acts 13, verses 1 to 3. The church submitted to God's plan. Acts 13, verses 1 to 3. This is a pivotal moment in the book of Acts. Having introduced us to a rich diversity among leaders, Luke tells us that the church at Antioch was fasting, seeking the Lord. Verses 1 and 2. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, who was from Cyprus, a Jewish 
uh, Christian from Cyprus, Simeon, who was also called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, two Christian men, two men from Africa, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, someone who's socially well-placed, and Saul from Tarsus, another Jewish Christian. While they were worshiping, while the church was worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. While they were fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. He wanted Saul and Barnabas set apart for the work beyond Antioch. Verse 3, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. This was God's initiative. This was God's plan. And the church obeyed. The church submitted to God's will. You see, God was orchestrating gospel expansion. God was going to further the spread of the gospel in Cyprus. Bring the gospel to regions of Galatia, Asia Minor, Macedonia, and Achaia. We will see the spread of the gospel to regions beyond Antioch. Because the church submitted to God's wisdom. Friends, when you read 1st and 2nd Corinthians, when you read through Ephesians, when you read through Philippians and Colossians and Galatians, written to the churches in Galatia, when you read 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, remember Acts 13, 1 to 3. The advance of the gospel was God's plan. And there was a church that loved it and submitted to it. I want to close with three application points. Number one, Jesus will build his church. Jesus said that he will build his church in Matthew 16. What Jesus said in Matthew 16 is what Jesus is doing here in the book of Acts. In the city of Jerusalem, in Samaria, in Phoenicia, in Cyprus, in Cyrene, and now in Antioch. How will the people beyond Judea hear the gospel? What will it look like when Gentiles come to the faith? Who will go to the Gentiles? Who's going to accomplish what Jesus said in Acts 1 and verse 8? How is this going to come to pass? Jesus will build his church. What if people oppose? What if they reject? disciples will be rejected they will be stoned they will scatter too Jesus will build his church the gospel will be proclaimed the Lord will plunder the domain of Satan Jesus is king and he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it Jesus will build his church Two. Jesus will build his church through ordinary witnesses. How did the gospel reach these places? See, we don't have any names except Lucius and Simeon from Cyrene. It could be that Luke, the careful writer, decided not to mention names so that the reader understands that gospel seeds were planted in these places by ordinary witnesses of Jesus. Not specialists, not superstars, just ordinary witnesses. Just ordinary disciples who walk in obedience to Jesus, wanting to see people come to Jesus. Friends, 
where God has put you now is where God is calling you to be his witnesses. It may be to your spouse, to your children, to your neighbor, to your boss, to your co-worker. God is writing the story of redemption and he is building his church through ordinary witnesses like you and me. Jesus will build his church through ordinary witnesses. But that's not all, friends. Thirdly, Jesus will build his church through ordinary witnesses by the power of his spirit. By the power of his spirit. This scattering would certainly have come with difficulties. New place, friends. New culture, new friends. How would these ordinary disciples adapt to a new setting? How would they have the courage to share the gospel to people they have never known? What will cause them to move to people who are ethnically and culturally different from them? What will give them the love to move to the lost? Witnessing is hard. You need courage. You need strength. You need love. You need patience. You need faith. Where do witnesses get that from? Acts 1 and verse 8. The Holy Spirit will give you the power to be the witnesses of Jesus. The Holy Spirit gave the disciples all these courage and strength and peace and joy and love and faith to be Jesus' witnesses in Cyprus, in Cyrene, in Antioch, in Phoenicia. And when the church was fasting, it was the Holy Spirit who spoke and, and set apart two men for a work he had planned. It was by, by the power of the Holy Spirit that Saul and Barnabas would preach the gospel beyond Antioch. The gospel would advance through, gospel, through ordinary disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit. So friends, when the enemy tries his best to discourage us now, like right now, in our efforts to be witnesses of Jesus, and he will. He will cause us to feel rejection, of losing comfort, of becoming hopeless, of losing sight of Jesus. He will try all his best to discourage us. The Holy Spirit comes to our rescue by giving us courage and strength and love and patience and endurance and faithfulness to speak for the sake of Jesus' glory and the good of people. Jesus has given us what we need to be his witnesses. Be encouraged, friends. Jesus has not left us to ourselves. He has given us his spirit. And friends, Jesus will build his church through ordinary witnesses by the power of his spirit. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the work of Jesus. We thank you for mercy that has come to us through Jesus. We thank you for sending us the spirit of your son by whose work in us you will give us all that it takes to be witnesses of Jesus. So God, give us the courage. Give us a heart that is burdened for the lost. Remind us of Jesus' words that he will build his church. 
and that we can entrust the future of the church on Jesus because that's his words, that's his plan, that's his decision, and he will fulfill it. So God, help us be witnesses wherever you place us now. Give us the courage and the love and the faith and the patience and the humility to point people to Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.